The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. And I have to tell you, today's topic is such a Game Changer. And you're not going to be running in place if you listen up to the whole show. You're going to learn along with me. We have a wow topic today. Let me read the buzz on the street. It's very detailed, a little technical. Forgive me for this, but I want to set the stage right at the top. So the key word today is blockchain. I know everybody's talking about it. Everybody I work is talking about it. Everybody's talking about it in technology technology circles, in the news, in industries all over the world. So what are we talking about? Blockchain is much bigger than Bitcoin. You've probably heard the word Bitcoin too. And its reach is far more holistic. And what experts see on it is a global infrastructure that can power our needs for bit data and create new digital identities that can leverage the present issues with cybersecurity and monopolies. I'll leave it at that. What in the world is she talking about? I have a panel who's going to help explain this. But let me set the stage a little more here. In search of the holy grail of a unified customer profile. Now, let me stop there. Those of you out there, I know we have listeners in over 3,000 places all over the world. I know you belong to mature companies, SMEs, big enterprises. Some of you are startup serial entrepreneurs. You're looking for a customer profile and you want it unified. Your customer is everywhere. They are multi-connected. They are socially connected. So how do you do that? That really is the holy grail today. Well, marketers have traditionally built massive data databases and data stores, you know you probably have them, to capture the buyer information. What do you want to do with it? You want to upsell. You want to cross-sell. You want to promote. You want to target and retarget. You want to build the loyalty. You want to retain them. Retention is the name of the game. But let's stop stop the wheels here. What if the customer forces your company to pay them to access and use their data? What? What if the customer charges your company to read your ad What? What if they charge you to watch your video? You know the holy grail is the video. That's where it's supposed to be at in marketing today. What if they even charge you to attend your seminar? Sounds like the old days of packing the theater when a Broadway show wasn't so good. Yeah, we'll buy those seats. Welcome to the new reality of blockchain technology. That little quote I read from forum.daohub.org in the beginning may have sounded confusing, but we're going to dive into it. What do you know about Bitcoin? What do you know about blockchain? Well, best known as the underpinning infrastructure for Bitcoin, blockchains are now altering the relationship between you as the marketer, I don't care where you are in your company, everything you do is part of the brand and part of marketing, and your customer. How? Blockchain offers decentralized systems, 
decentralized apps and increased user privacy and security. As a consumer, you must be jumping up and down and saying, yay, increased privacy and security. As a marketer, you're saying, OMG, really? So are you ready? Let's sit down and learn together. I have an extraordinary panel today. Let me tell you who they are, and then I'll introduce them with their opening quotes. First up, in a moment, we'll be speaking with Jeremy Epstein, CEO at Never Stop Marketing. You may remember his name. You've probably seen his picture. He was formerly with Sprinkler. I actually use a Sprinkler dashboard for my tweeting, and we're tweeting at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O today. And joining him on the panel is Amanda Gutterman. She's the CMO at Consensus, C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S. And rounding out the panel is Joel Manegro. He's an investment analyst at Union Square Ventures. And actually, you'll find out in a minute he's calling from way, way, way the other side of the world. We'll find out where he is, and he sounds great. So let's get the party started here. Jeremy Epstein has sent me a quote from way back in history. Buffalo Springfield, OMG. It was an American-Canadian rock band formed in Los Angeles in 1966. Yes, I was alive then. I'm not sure about Jeremy. I know Amanda and Joel certainly weren't. The original lineup included Stephen Stills on guitar, keyboard, vocals, Dewey Martin on drums and vocals, Bruce Palmer, electric bass, Richie Foray on guitar and vocals, and Neil Young, guitar, harmonica, piano, vocals. Come on, you all remember that eventually bits and pieces came together to form Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. They recruited David Crosby of the Birds and Graham Nash of the Hollies. I'll stop with rock and roll history. Here's the quote Jeremy has picked up from one of their songs. There's something happening here. Jeremy, I won't sing it. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Jeremy Epstein, how can I thank you for building this wonderful topic and panel for us? How have you been? Oh, well, you, the the rock and roll history lesson was thanks enough, Bonnie. That was You went pretty deep there. That was great. <laughs> Always do. Listen, I'm, I'm just delighted. As I said in the opening, uh, there was so much information in my opening. I don't usually do anything that deep, Jeremy, but I wanted to just set the stage that this is a huge topic. It is top of mind for so many people. So tell me, let's do the standard here. Please relate your quote to the topic of the day. Let's just start there and we'll build on from there. Sure. I mean, I think uh, you, you said it is a very important topic. It is huge for uh, a bunch of reasons because something uh, has changed here. And I think a lot of people can feel it. You know, it's, it, there's a real sense of, you know, dis-ease and, and discomfort globally, I think, as we all know, and we don't want to get into politics or, or what have you, but there's definitely a feeling across the board people have it. And, and, and generally people feel um, that many of the institutions that are supposed to protect us um, might be betraying us or ripping us off or at least not giving us a fair deal. In fact, the, uh, the Edelman Trust Barometer, which is conducted every year, you know, had a really powerful point where uh, the CEO said, we've gotten to a point where there's a loss of faith in the system, that there's a sense mm-hmm. of unfair, unfairness. So there's data, there's emotion. So it's really, there, there's something missing right now. And so into this void um, is coming a very powerful decentralized system that uh, is trustless in the sense that it's not controlled by people. It's controlled by a network of, of computers and code. It's gaining momentum. It's gaining trust and confidence among people. Um, and this is blockchain. And so I think there's a much, much larger uh, macro force going on here that uh, makes uh, this blockchain technology not just something that's cool from a technology perspective, but uh, a true game changer um, that's meeting a need that uh, a lot of people uh, have worldwide, and, and that's why I'm really excited about it, and uh, I'm, I'm excited that we're, that you've opened your radio show to uh, 
uh, to having us discuss it. Thank you very much, Jeremy. I have a question for you before I bring on Amanda Gutterman. I know she's waiting patiently to bring us her quote, which is also a good one, as well as Joel. Uh, the question is, is this imminent? Now, I said some pretty, uh, I don't know, exciting or scary things in my opening just a couple minutes ago, Jeremy. I said your customers might make you pay them to use their data, to read your ad, to watch your video, OMG, to attend your seminar. Is this tomorrow? Is this happening today? Is it next year? Not in the prediction section of the show yet, but how soon is this coming can I, can I say be all of the above I mean oh. on the one hand it's oh. here um, you have examples Bitcoin being the best example of a technology that's already working you have a lot of uh, uh, companies and institutions that are rolling out proofs of concept um, and a lot of people that are looking at it um, at the flip side you know this is a relatively immature uh, technology there are you know limited uh, proof that it works at scale um, there is a lack of standards, there's fragmented in the marketplace, and there is a lot of hype. So uh, on the one hand, it's here. On the other hand, it's kind of coming in the near term. Um, but I think what Joel and Amanda and I all agree on, and I'm sorry to speak for them, is that uh, it, it's definitely coming as far as when that tipping point is, that remains mm-hmm. to be seen. But in our minds, uh, it may not be imminent uh, this week, but it is inevitable. Thank you very much. And ironically or not, Jeremy, I have one more bit of rock and roll trivia for you. The name Buffalo Springfield was taken from a steamroller. So the Buffalo Springfield steamroller, and I think we're talking about blockchain as a potential steamroller as well. Am I right? I like it. I, I'm, there's a blog post for me right there. I think I'm going to do There it that. is. I will, I will send you all of my research uh, I did on this. It's, it just, just go to Wikipedia, Buffalo Springfield. It's sort of Thank you very much. By the way, the group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 1997, in case you're checking the records. Thank you very much. And now let's turn our attention to Amanda Gutterman at Consensus. We'll find out in a few minutes what her company does. She sent us a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt, full name, Anna Eleanor Roosevelt lived from 1884 to 1962. When I see anything in the 1960s, I think, gee, that was a couple of years ago. And then I knock my head against the desk and I say, Bonnie, (laughs) we're 2017. What do you mean? Well, that was my era. So American politician, diplomat, and activist, historically, Eleanor Roosevelt was the longest-serving first lady of the United States from March 1933 to April 1945 because her husband, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, had four terms in office. She was also a delegate from the U.S. to the U.N. General Assembly from 45 to 52, and President Harry Truman later called her the first lady of the world because of her human rights achievements. And here's a quote that comes from a lady who really knew what she was talking about. Eleanor Roosevelt said, never allow a person to tell you no who doesn't have the power to say yes. What a fabulous quote. Amanda, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Bonnie. We are delighted. Thank you to Jeremy for inviting you. Love the quote. Uh, You are way too young to remember anything about Eleanor Roosevelt. I know that for a fact. Tell me, how does this quote apply to our blockbuster topic today of blockchain and marketing? Go ahead, Amanda. Sure, absolutely. So a lot of what blockchain is allowing uh, companies, societies, governments to do are the type of things that we would say no, no way to if someone described them to us a few years ago. Um, Similar to the way that if someone explained the Internet to you long before the Internet was popularized, people would say no, no way. That's not something that could ever be possible. And this is really about not accepting um, the idea that 
institutions can't change, that the world can't change at an accelerating pace if we build the tools that allow us to do it. Thank you very much. Did you know what I told you about Eleanor Roosevelt? You Were you aware of her mark on history, Amanda? Sure. So um, a lot of the work that Eleanor Roosevelt did um, in terms of global development really mm-hmm. mirrors a lot of the potential um, of blockchain and Ethereum to provide value to people that are in the developing world as well as um, large financial institutions and enterprises, which are some of the use cases that are most popularly discussed. One of the issues that we think about a lot are the 2.5 billion people worldwide that are currently among the unbanked, which means they don't have access to um, government-provided legal, financial, um, banking services. Um, And what we're doing is we're providing identity solutions that allow... um, One of the the many things we're doing is, is... our um, blockchain-based identity login lets people create credit history, um, secure loans, brings people into the global economy that have heretofore been locked out of it, and allowing them to leapfrog um, infrastructure and development and to immediately adopt blockchain technology and be able to create value. So we're really thinking globally. Consensus has spoken at the United Nations, at the World Economic Forum on these topics, and we're really proud to... Um, be helping to make sure that this decentralized world and this next generation of the Internet is more fair and more inclusive. Thank you. You hit a lot of high notes there, Amanda. Thank you very much. Looking forward to a lot more from you later in the show. And now let me turn my attention to Joel Manegro, investment analyst at Union Square Ventures, and he'll tell us a little bit about his company as well. And Joel has picked a quote from Mark Twain. Very interesting quote, Joel. I did a lot of lookup on the quote as well as Mark Twain, and there were was a pretty much a consensus, not to borrow the name of Amanda's company, but uh, there was a consensus that he really did say this. Um, it, it wasn't 100% sure, the quote investigator, but he's pretty much tag your it. So Samuel Langhorn Clemens, uh, he lived from 1835 to 1910, better known by his pen name Mark Twain, was an American writer, humorist, entrepreneur, publisher, and lecturer. Among his novels, you all know The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, 1876, its sequel, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, 1885, and that was often called the great American novel. Interesting, uh, Jeremy probably knows this, that when somebody writes too much in a blog or a white paper or an analyst paper, they say, what'd you do, write the great American novel? They were referencing the adventures of, of Huckleberry Here's an interesting sidebar. Although Twain earned a lot of money from his writings and his lectures, he invested in some bad ventures. Uh, Joel, this would interest you, that lost a lot of money. Notably, the Page Compositor, a mechanical typesetter that failed because it was too complex and imprecise. He filed for protection from creditors via bankruptcy, and with the help of a man named Henry Huddleston Rogers, eventually overcame all of his financial troubles. Mark Twain chose to pay all his pre bankruptcy creditors in full, even though he had no legal responsibility to do it. I think that was quite a stand-up kind of guy. So here's the quote from Mark Twain. Quote, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Hello, Joel. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm fine. Tell us, where are you calling from? I usually save that for later in the show, but I know you're nowhere near we are. So where are you today? I am in Tallinn, Estonia where it's very dark and snowy. 
What is Estonia? I, I looked it up. I actually sent the uh, Wikipedia information to my engineer because he said, where is that? I know it's in the Baltics. I know it's bordered That's on right. the north by the Gulf of Finland, to the west by the Baltic Sea, to the south by Latvia, and to the east by Lake Pipus and Russia. So are you safe there? I'm sorry. I am, <laughs> I am very, very safe. Um, I'm and I'm here um, for one of our portfolio companies, a company called Jabatical, uh, which is based here in Tallinn, one of my favorite non-blockchain companies. Um, and Tallinn is, is, is honestly, it's a great little city. That's, it's, it's just fantastic. Well, tell me now, great little city, and how about a great little book called All of the Books that Mark Twain Wrote? So this is an interesting quote. History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. I'm wondering where the rhyme is. I've read it backwards and forwards and inside and out. Tell me what the quote means to you. And, Joel, bigger than that, how does the quote apply to our topic of blockchain and marketing, please? Um, so I, I learned that quote from Brad Burnham, who's one of the founders of USV, when I was probably um, – two weeks into the job, and uh, he was teaching me about pattern recognition, which is a skill that every venture capitalist uh, should have, and it's recognizing that um, technology evolves in patterns and cycles, and, and so does life evolve in patterns and cycles, and history evolves in patterns and cycles. And everyone is different, but they're all kind of the same at the same time, and so that's where that quote comes in. History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And with that sort of uh, context, looking into what's going on with blockchains, especially pu- public implementations of blockchains like Bitcoin or Ethereum, a lot of the craziness, a lot of the hype, a lot of, some people have, have thrown out the, the word bubble, all of this stuff, including the disruptive power of this technology, how it decentralizes a whole bunch of um, monopolies and, 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 and removes consolidated market power. All of that has happened before and has uh. happened before with the Internet, happened before with computers, happened before with cars and railroads. All of these things have happened. All of these fundamental disruptions have happened before. And every technology is different, but the actors are largely the same. The, the occurrences are the same and the patterns are the same. So history is rhyming today. And that actually gives me a lot of confidence about the future of this technology, knowing that it, it's not new. This has happened before. Interesting. It has happened before. I have another. By the way, did you know what I mentioned about from an investment standpoint about about uh, Mark Twain's credit history? Were you aware of that? I I was actually because I also uh, in researching the origins of this quote spent a bunch of time on Wikipedia. I bet you did. Good. I'm glad to know that. I have one more quick point. Jeremy will probably laugh at this. Mark Twain was born shortly after a visit by Halley's Comet. Some people call it Halley's Comet. He predicted he would go out with the comet as well. Guess what? Twain died the day after the comet returned. O-M-G. I know. And he was also called the greatest American humorist of his age. And William Faulkner called him the father of American literature, probably at the time. I think we've had a a few more fathers and mothers of literature in the interim. Thank you very much, Joel. Pleasure to have you and glad you're safe in dark and cold uh, Estonia and snowy as well. So I'm going to circle back to Jeremy Epstein. And Jeremy, I'm going to ask you, where are you calling from? Not the Google coordinates. Remember, nothing that personal. Love to know where you're calling from and what you're drinking because this is the part of the show where we get a little up close and personal and we want to know what makes you happy that's in your cup or what do you wish was in your cup jeremy yeah i'm nowhere as sexy as uh, as joel although i have been to Tallinn, estonia and i totally recommend a visit for anyone who's interested in uh, cutting edge technology but i'm i'm in far less sexy rockville maryland 
So, uh, but I do have, uh, I've gotten very interested in making my own uh, cold brew coffee and infusing it with various spices in sort of an experimental phase. So today I've got some uh, homemade cayenne pepper infused cold brew coffee. So uh, we got the caffeine, got a little bit of a spice kick and uh, it keeps you going. Hold on a minute now. Cayenne in coffee. Would you sprinkle it on the coffee? Would you use a, a no, pod no. machine? No, no. What you do is you, you do? take the coffee, you, you, you get the whole beans, you grind them up in your grinder as you might normally, then you put it in uh, you know, just a jug of water, uh, or sort of just a jug. Um, you sprinkle in some spice, whatever spice it is. I've used ginger, I've used uh, coriander, I've used cumin. I've, I have a whole spreadsheet I'd be happy to share with you, but you put the cayenne <laughs> pepper. Um, I don't measure it exactly. Then you just pour some water in, shake it up, and leave it in the fridge for anywhere to uh, 12 to 24 hours. Then you just pour it out. You pretty much strain out. Most of the gr- uh, grinds uh, fall to the bottom anyway. And then you can uh, either mix it with water, heat it up, pour some milk in it, whatever your preference is. But it gives you, uh, you know, it's just a much uh, different flavor, a little bit smoother. Um, but I like throwing in the spices and the cayenne kind of just hits you after it and like perks you up. So my own homemade wow. energy drink, I suppose. I like that. We love recipes. Thank you very much. Amanda Gutterman, where are you calling from and what are you drinking or what would you rather be drinking, Amanda? So I'm calling from Bushwick, where we have a warehouse-style office. We have 160 people now, mostly developers, working out of this warehouse in uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, It was too loud in the main room, so I went out in the hallway. I didn't have a chance to bring a beverage with me, but one beverage that I've really been enjoying lately is um, Four Sigmatic Coffee, which is a special type of coffee that's made out of... um, reishi mushrooms and a number of other sort of neuro-enhancing mushrooms that some people say have some um, nootropic or brain-boosting effects. And I've been uh, having a cup of that sometimes in the morning, and it's been really getting me started for the day. Wow. Now, tell me again, Amanda, very interesting. What kind of mushrooms are in the coffee? Legal kinds? I wasn't. I wasn't. I promise I wasn't implying. I'm just wondering because I've just Googled um, mushrooms in coffee and all kinds of mushrooms came up. So what, what do you prefer? So it has reishi mushrooms in it. It has a number of other types of um, mushroom powders along with um, coffee grounds. And the makers of this product, um, which is getting popular, um, I've noticed some other people kind of in the tech and startup scene um, starting to experiment with different um, vitamins and nootropics and ways to stay alert in healthy ways during the day. And it's it's been uh, a fun experiment for me. Wow. And I, I just Googled and I found a company named 4-F-O-U-R Sigmatic. And they have a mushroom hot cacao mix with chill, chill out vibes with reishi. That's what you were talking I'm not about. To advertise. I'm no, not to advertise no, for the no, no, dear. That's <laughs> really okay. This stuff. is a this is the part of the show. Is that the brand you use? Because this is the part of the show where we do we do mention brands because the drinks are so interesting. <laughs> yes, they also have a. It, I see. See how good am I? I? Out of all the Google results, that's the one I pick. And they also have the Chaga C H A G A mushroom elixir mix. It's force field in a cup. Oh my! And then we have the superfood blend ten mushroom blend. I'm not sure I'm going to try this. I'll just keep in touch with you, Amanda, and you'll tell me how great it is. I'm very, very traditional. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy knows I'm not a very brand. 
Brave Soul. Thank you very much. Interesting, interesting. Joel in Estonia, I, I don't know whether I should ask what's in your cup or rather what, what would you have had if you were here in the States, but tell us your favorite drink, Joel. Um, I actually have something in my cup, and I have a story behind it. Please. Um, so I, as I was running here from my day of meetings at Jabatical, I realized I needed a drink um, to bring onto the show, and I asked, uh, Caroli, who's the CEO, I need, I need something interesting to bring to the show. And she said, I, I've, got, I've got just a thing. And she, she brought me to this giant jar named Bob that they have in the office. And she told me, that's what you're drinking on the show today. And it's something called, and I'm late to the party on this, it's, it's called kombucha, which I have never tasted before. And I brought a bit of it with me here, and I served it in, in this sort of wine glass because it's the only thing I could find. And I haven't <laughs> tasted it yet, but it smells inviting now just spell it what is it well, how does it how do you pronounce it sambucha did you say i think it i think it's k-o-m-b-u-c-h-a all right yes Yes, kombucha. Uh, they sell it on Amazon. Seven reasons to drink kombucha every day. Haven't had a guest mention that in a long time, but I'll read you quickly. It's a variety of fermented, lightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea that are commonly intended as functional beverages. Amanda, he's in the same boat with you. For a supposed health benefits, I'll put quotes around supposed. Kombucha is produced by fermenting tea using a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. SCOBY, S-C-O-B-Y. Actual contributing microbial populations in SCOBY cultures vary, blah, blah, blah. Although it's claimed to have numerous health benefits, there is no evidence that it has the effects, but some people love it anyway. It was originated in Manchuria around 220 BCE and imported to Japan around 400 CE by the physician Kombu, K-O-M-B-U, commonly drunk in the United States. How about that, Joel? Does that help or hinder? Is that okay? Um, that does help, um, but if you'll allow me, I'll just take a sip and let you know what it's like. <laughs> Let's see if Joel's still standing or sitting after he takes a sip. Thank <laughs> you very much. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm, he's still talking. I feel this is a- already. I feel healthier just listening to you. By the way, Jeremy knows they don't allow me to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. So all I have, and it's not boring, it's refreshing. I have cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a yellow straw because we might have gotten rid of the snow. There's not a drop to be seen, thank goodness. But the sun is hiding today, and we love the sunshine here in New York. Amanda, you're in Brooklyn, Bushwick, right? So you don't have sunshine either, do you? No? No, we don't. Just kind of gray. Well, we're lighting up the skies here with our own sunshine. I'm speaking today with Jeremy Epstein. I know how to pronounce his name, and that's it. And Amanda Gutterman and Joel Manegro. Joel, am I pronouncing your last name correctly, Manegro? That's correct. Okay, got them all there. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We're having a good time, but we're talking about a very serious topic, blockchain technology and marketing. Is blockchain turning marketing on its head? I will give you a hint that Jeremy Epstein is coming back in a couple weeks on another Coffee Break with Game Changers show with me, talking about blockchain and money, finance, monetary systems around the world. But he said to me, Bonnie, there's something important happening with blockchain in the marketing world. We have to talk about it. So that's why he's making his 2017 re-debut on Coffee Break on this very interesting topic. If you want to know, your company's been in search, hopefully since you started, in search of the holy grail of a unified customer profile. You may be able to reach that holy grail with the advent of blockchain for marketing. We're going to find out a lot more. And if your customers charge you to 
access and use their data, charge you to read your ad, charge you to watch your video, and to attend your seminar and anything else, what's the fair trade rate of a customer and their data? Maybe we'll get into that as well. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're back talking about a very interesting topic. I won't say it's novel. I'll say it's new for some of us. Very interesting. Going to turn marketing on its head. What is that? I know, I know. Take your sweatshirt with the big capital M for marketing and stand on your head or just put your sweatshirt upside down. Blockchain technology. We're not talking about the monetary side. We're talking about the marketing side. The idea of a unified customer profile and customer permission to access their data. What in the world is she talking about? Our panel today is comprised of Jeremy Epstein, the CEO at Never Stop Marketing, his new company, Amanda Gutterman, the Chief Marketing Officer, CMO at Consensus, capital S-Y-S, and Joel Monegro, an investment analyst at Union Square Ventures. What a great panel. Great body of knowledge and point of view from all three of them, and that's why we're glad to have them here. Let's start the roundtable with Jeremy Epstein. He told me the following in his notes, and this is a, a blockbuster statement, I think, Jeremy. You said, in a blockchain world... Marketers will have to earn customer permission in an entirely new way. Identity will be controlled by the users. Jeremy, why don't you take about two minutes and tell us what this means. Yeah, so it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, shift because now if you think about it for the last you know, 40, 60 years or so, companies have spent all their effort just let me capture data, let me capture data, let me capture data. Um, and that data sits in various silos, it gets fragmented, it gets abused and used and what have you. But in a blockchain world, what's going to happen is you're going to have a, a, unify, a shared data layer worldwide where everybody, uh, where the information is put into a blockchain and immutably 
uh, kept there, but the control of that information will reside with each of us. So, for example, um, I, as a customer, will grant or revoke access to my personal information to a given company uh, on a need-to-know basis, and essentially, that permission will, will be dynamic. So, let me give you a very simple example, and we can take it from there. If I walk into a bar the only thing that the bar needs to know is I'm over 21. They don't need to know my name, my address, my weight, my height, my eye color, anything of that. But that's all the information we hand over right now with the driver's license. That permission, the only permission they need to have to my identity is, are you over 21? Once they have that, I'm good to go. I can revoke that and I'm off and running. So, that will be a very um, different way of looking at the customer relationship. I don't need to have all your information. In fact, I won't be able to keep it because the control of that information will stay with me, with Amanda, with you, with Joel. Um, and what that means is for a marketer, you have a very different set of challenges. It's not about capture information and just mine it. It's continually um, build that permission, that relationship with people so that they say, yes, I want you to have my information. I want to give you my email address, my mailing address, my phone number, because whatever you're giving me is of such value that it's worth it. That's not the equation that we all have today, but it's going to be the equation that we have in the future. Interesting. And what makes it worthwhile that they would want to pay for that, Jeremy? Is that everybody on an equal? I, I'm, I'm really, I didn't want to ask questions, but I'm really, really curious before we get Amanda and Joel to chime in on this. What would be, how would I be able to charge them? How would I be able to give them permission? What's the bargaining chip You there? could basically say, look, you know, I, I might, you know, if a brand approached you and said, hey, Bonnie, we would like to uh, send you an email with uh, offers on a regular basis, you might say, Okay, well, for me to even look at uh, your emails, there's going to be a micro payment of you know 0.003 cents or three cents or whatever price you send, and then a brand could say, all right, I'm either willing to pay that or I'm not willing to pay that, and you can agree on the price. So yes, I'll send you an uh, an email, or yes, I'm willing to make a phone call, and you'll uh, accept that offer for them, and then basically it's a transaction, and they'll be able to value how much that um, interaction is for them. I mean, they do that these days, like what's the value of a customer, but you don't really get paid for it. So now you're saying, pay me to read it, pay for my attention, which is your most valuable asset. Um, and then over time, the brand will be able to say, well, uh, you know, we send all this money to Bonnie and it might be micro payments or for someone who's really, uh, whose attention is at a premium, it might be really, uh, really a much more expensive transaction. And then the company will be able to assume, uh, assess on a case-by-case basis, obviously at scale with the help of technology, should we continue paying uh, Bonnie? Or, and you'll be able to say, hey, you know what, I'm actually going to raise my rates because everybody's uh, sending me information and most of it's either uh, irrelevant or what have you. So it'll be a negotiation uh, for your uh, attention and for your information, which are all assets that they want. If, they, if these weren't assets, they wouldn't be trying to capture and mine it. It's just right now you're not getting compensated for your information, for um, all the information that you're willingly sharing back to the network. I mean, Google knows where you go or Apple knows where you go Mm -hmm. from your phone and they want that information because they're mining it and they're using it for marketing and and, uh, purposes. You're just not getting any, you're giving that information away for free right now. That's going to change. Certainly am. And one quick question, yes or no, will the the, uh, currency be in Bitcoin when I'm paid? 
Uh, maybe uh, it's it's definitely going to be a cryptocurrency. Amanda's going to tell you okay. it's an ether. She might be right about that, but it will be a cryptocurrency because no one's going to swipe a credit card every single time. It's just that the current payment mechanisms don't scale for the type of uh, yep. payment mechanisms that are going to be required. Thank you, Jeremy. Amanda, like to get your POV on this about getting customer permission in a new way. Talk to me, please. Sure. So um, we're already seeing the transition um, that you are talking about, I think, with Facebook already. So on Facebook, if you're an advertiser, you're using the, um, if you're using the paid suite, you're already paying different rates based on your ability to actually engage your audience. So if you are pushing out content that isn't popular, that isn't engaging, that people aren't sharing and getting excited about, you have to pay more to put boring content out to an audience on Facebook than if you're putting out engaging content. So if you're putting out content that you're paying to distribute on Facebook that people really like, then you actually have to pay less and have it reach more people. So I think what blockchain is going to do is radically increase that kind of behavior so that the onus will really be on marketers and advertisers to engage their audiences and create content that those audiences actually want to consume. I think what blockchain and what I think you know, Ethereum is going to enable with the ability to create you know, very sophisticated micropayment structures and governance structures, kind of a sliding scale of media. So at any moment, you're either paying to consume media or being paid to consume media based on whose interests are at play um, by your consuming it or by your pushing it out to other people. So I think that that's the place that we're headed towards. Facebook opened up the door to that, and it's going to work in a way that is user-centric. So right now, in order to interact with the Internet, the sort of data-siloed, walled-gardened Web 2.0, as we call it, you need to give away your identity attributes to something like a Facebook or a Google, which is going to store those attributes in a data silo and leverage those for advertising revenue. Um, the decentralized internet will have something called self-sovereign identity, and Uport is a great example of that on the Ethereum blockchain, where you, the user, will have a blockchain-based identity, and you will control all of the different reputational and data attributes connected to that mm. identity. You can selectively share or not share or sell. And that's going to, I think, accelerate the kind of sliding-scale media marketing ecosystem that could emerge from this. Thank you. Very interesting. I just want to make sure our listeners know what Ethereum is. I looked it up. Shall I read the one-sentence one, more, one sentence definition, the basic, uh, Amanda? Is that okay sure. with you? Ethereum is an open-source, public, blockchain-based distributed computing pro- platform featuring smart contract scripting functionality. It provides a de- I'm reading two. It provides a decentralized virtual machine, the Ethereum VM, can execute Turing complete scripts using an international network of public nodes and a token called Ether, E-T-H-E-R. Gas is used to prevent spam on the network and allocate resources proportionally to the incentive offered by the request. Very interesting. So it was originally proposed in 2013 by Vitalik Buterin, a cryptocurrency researcher and programmer. Interesting. And at CrowdSale funded the development in July and August of 2014. Fascinating. Anybody who wants more, just look it up. Thank you very much, Amanda. Joel, we'd love to get your point of view on all this. We're getting into some deep territory here. What do you think? I like to think of, of, about this 
idea from the point from the context of the inversion of the user model, or at least that's how I like to call it, um, because it really is the inversion of the user model. Instead of you going, you think about how the web works today. You have to go to a whole bunch of different services to get different pieces of information. Um, you have to go to Google to get your communications or to get information of things that you're looking for. You have to go to Facebook to get information about your friends. You have to go to Amazon to get information about products to buy. Um, instead, what, hap- what might happen with blockchains or what is happening with blockchains is that we're developing an architecture where in- services come to the user for their information. And it is, as Jeremy described, is creating this comprehensive view of the user that is user-centric and user-controlled. But the interesting thing here is that it's not only the, how it changes, for example, the, the market structure for advertising. And, and as you point out, one model might be that you get paid to watch media or you get paid mm-hmm. to disclose your information. But also it's very efficient because as uh, some other people have pointed out in, in this conversation, everything is in one place and any application that sort of plugs into the, this open data layer can get, if the user wants, a, a full and comprehensive view. And if you think about um, the incentives of the existing web companies like Google, they have an incentive to close down data and to keep it to themselves because, as someone pointed out, they can use it to to basically sell more advertising. Um, But here, any startup or any application can, from the get-go, get a comprehensive view of the user and be able to deliver a better user experience. And so we go from, for example, the Google model where they are able to offer a good service on, you know, by analyzing their data set, but what they have is an incomplete view of millions of users. You can have a complete view of a single user, kind of creating a personal network effect instead of all of that value accruing to a single company. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Jeremy, you started this. I'm going to ask you to briefly wrap it up at a red bow for me, and then I'm going to move on to another area of this topic from Amanda's notes. So, Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think inversion of the, uh, the user model is a great way to uh, to think about it. I mean, you know, it's 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 such a fascinating evolution, and and it's easy for us to get deluded into thinking, oh, well, the web is, you know, sort of at this beautiful end state. But in reality, we're in a transition point now, right now, and the idea that you have to go to each of these services, whether it's Google or Facebook or Snapchat, and each time you create a new identity, create a new profile create a new set of network relationships, create all this information, it seems kind of like excessive and unnecessary. So, you know, and you throw in the fact that people are starting to get uh, additionally concerned by, or concerned about how much information some of these companies have about them and the power yes. um, that, you know, at best case scenario, you're being marketed to. Uh, worst case scenario, it's an invasion of privacy and, and uh, hacking. I just got a thing this morning in my email from a, uh, Lookout uh, Security, who said, you know, six million user accounts and personal records were breached in January alone, and nine major mm. companies were compromised. I mean, how many more free credit monitoring reports do you need before people say, wait a second, why am I entrusting my most valuable asset, which is then stolen and so- sold on the dark web, to other people when I should be in charge of that myself and be able to, to do what I, what I want with it? So I think there are a lot of forces converging, like we talked about, trust and, and what have you is one of them. But secondly, it's just uh, the ease of use and being able to take my identity and my reputation with me regardless of the service I'm using. 
Thank you very much. I just have to say that we just picked up a new follower, at least a retweeter here on uh, on Twitter, Jeremy. The blockchain space at T Blockchain S just started, just uh, retweeted what I said about your quote in a blockchain world, you as customer can charge companies to access your data. So hello to T Blockchain S, whoever you are listening to the show right now, and we appreciate it. Thank you, Jeremy. Amanda, I'm looking at your notes, and let's start talking about social good. This has been mostly centered uh, on the commercial aspect. Who, what am I going to get paid for access to my data? Yeah, you want me to look at your video? you got to pay me. Okay, let's, let's bring this up to a higher level. Let's talk about social good. So Amanda told me in her notes the following. Let me just read two short paragraphs here, Amanda, and then you can explain more. You say the UN Development Goals, World Bank, and ID2020 project have all stated their goal of global financial inclusion, specifically bringing in the 2.5 billion people worldwide who are currently unbanked, and that's in quote, and locked out of the global financial system. So what will blockchain do? Blockchain-based identity, smart contracts, and banking are the portals for those individuals, even if they don't have access to a government-issued ID or a functioning legal system, the portal for them to secure loans, to build credit, and to execute contracts. Sounds very big, very important. It sounds very progressive. Amanda, please tell us more. Sure. So currently, there's a large group of people that aren't able to participate in the global economy because they lack access to basic financial services. They might be refugees. They might lack a national ID card. They might lack access to centrally provided legal services. Um, one of the great things that the blockchain can do is create an identity for each of these people, uh, which isn't dependent on the functioning of any central government or authority. If you are able to um, log your credit history to a blockchain, if you're able to register your possessions to a blockchain um, and establish a history of good behavior there, that means that you could reveal that history to someone from halfway across the world who would never need to meet you in person in order to trust you enough to offer you a microloan, perhaps. Um, using Ethereum-based tools such as Wayfund and Benefactory, which are two of our funding um, and charitable donation platforms, you could actually fund that person halfway around the world and using a governance tool like Boardroom you could ensure that your funds are actually being spent in the way that they were supposed to be. So this means a lot more transparency and insight for donors and funders, and it means that people can capture value and be activated to begin entrepreneurial activities and value creation who haven't traditionally been able to do that. Thank you. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Joel, I'd love to get your point of view on this. What do you think? This, this is foundational, right? This sounds uh, important because it is. And mm-hmm. to me, this is, the, this is a testament to the power, or the, this is a possibility, it's a testament to the power of decentralization because it is the, the only way to really scale information networks as far as, as I'm concerned is by decentralizing them. Um, the reason that we don't have, for example, financial platforms like Lending Club, which are, you know, um, personal loan crowdfunding, which, you know, went public in the United States, the reason they don't operate in Kenya, for example, is because it's too small a market for them. But mm-hmm. if you instead implement these systems on a, on a blockchain and it's a decentralized system, no one, owns, no one owns it, 
it's open source, it's free and accessible to anyone, then you can really reach global scale. And so the reason all of these things are important, the reason the, the blockchains are important and decentralized identity is, is important is precisely so we can build these services and actually start delivering all of these valuable tools and infrastructure to every corner of the world. Very interesting. Very democratizing. I think that's a, a safe word to use here. Jeremy Epstein, thoughts, please. Yeah, I'm really glad that Amanda brought this up because, you know, the technology industry is often, you know, made fun of almost for how often, you know, this is going to change the world, this is going to change the world. So it kind of becomes a, you know, boy who cried wolf scenario. But I think she's totally spot on because when you have, you know, third parties, intermediaries that are required to uh, be that certifier, the guarantor of trust, they obviously add uh, friction and, and risk to the system, but they add costs because they have to maintain themselves. And those costs create to the point where at a certain uh, level, it's not profitable or quote unquote worthwhile for them to uh, address a, a certain market. And that's where so many people around the world are affected. So I think what's beautiful about this in my sort of kumbaya moment is, hmm. you know, whether you're, you're on the right side or the left side of the political spectrum, whether it's a free market or sort of a humanitarian, um, how can you not love the idea that all of these people out there who have an opportunity to uh, bring themselves into the global financial system to trade, to uh, get value, to build wealth and take themselves out of poverty uh, through a technology like this, like, you just have to love that. And I, I think that's one of the things that um, is so appealing to me at a, at a humanistic level, uh, in addition to all sort of the, uh, the cool technology and, and sort of, you know, business model levels that real people um, will have real benefits and it should make all of us better off as a result. Thank you very much. Yes, Amanda, thank you very much for that. That was a, an interesting sidebar that really should be a, a lead topic. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to, when I'm looking at the clock here, we're almost at the end of the crystal ball predictions round, but I want to pick one topic quickly from Joel's list and have Joel run with it. Joel, uh, let's talk about the role of the lead marketer. I'll give you two minutes on this and then we'll go a quick lightning round on predictions. You say the role of the lead marketer is to set the message and let the community carry it. And then you talk about tokens, consuming them and making every member of the marketing department, every user becomes a member of the marketing department. Can you unravel this for me, Joel, please? Sure. So when you, when you look at how public blockchain networks like Bitcoin and Ethereum work, there's this sort of native token, this cryptocurrency that ties the whole thing together. So in Bitcoin, you have Bitcoin, which is this, this, this scarce cryptocurrency that has value because people want it and there's a limited number of them. And in Ethereum, you have that currency called Ether, which is necessary to run the system, essentially. Now, what happens is that these tokens, these currencies, have speculative value in, in the sense that they increase in, in, in their value increases over time. So you are incentivized to hold them as, for example, as a potential investment, because as more people use these networks, the value of these tokens appreciate. What happens as a result is that because the only way to use these services is to own the token, and because these tokens appreciate the more people join the network and the more people use the network, they appreciate in financial value, then every single user, by virtue of owning the token, is now incentivized to bring more people onto the platform. 
And if you think about how you learn about Bitcoin, you probably learn about Bitcoin from someone who owns Bitcoin or from someone who wrote an article about Bitcoin who owns Bitcoin. And it's this financial incentive to promote the service and promote the network that turns every user essentially into a member of the marketing department. Now, the challenge is that imagine having a marketing department where you don't know any of the members and you can't coordinate and you can't really give them any orders. Well, then, what's the role of the marketer there? There's an issue about consistency, for example, because you may craft your message, you may craft your, 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 your marketing materials, um, and you may you know, pay a lot of attention to that, but you have thousands of people out there who are promoting the network, promoting the service, who may not be um, doing so in the way that you, that you designed it. So, for example, someone may misinterpret the message or someone may engage in tactics that you may disagree with because it undermines certain values of the network, for example. Um, and they might do this because they're financially incented. Then the, the role of the lead marketer changes a little bit because now, because you're not in full control of the message, instead you have to be very careful to design it in such a way that the community can carry it. Um, and so you, you have to be perhaps more, uh, more abstract and more, more focused on the values and the core values of, of the network and the service and the community and then design your message in such a way that each individual member understands it and each individual member commits to it and each individual member can promote it further without much coordination. Thank you very much, Joel. Sorry, we don't have more time for that. Jeremy, this was a huge topic, uh, an enormous topic. Boy, I'm using all the wrong words here. It's a big topic. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Jeremy, time for crystal ball predictions. I'm loving the year 2020 because it's only three New Year's Eves away. Do you know what you're going to be wearing and drinking? I don't know either yet. Jeremy Epstein, I can give you exactly 60 seconds for your prediction. If we met again at 2020 or any time in the future, could be tomorrow, could be next week, could be next year, what would we be saying about blockchain? Chain technology turning marketing on its head. Jeremy, 60 seconds, hit it. Uh, one thing we're not going to be talking about the world blockchain because it'll just be foundational and it'll just sort of be a given for life. But I think the big impact on marketing is going to be that uh, every single brand or organization uh, is going to have to have a very clear uh, sense of purpose, a set of core values, a, a, a very passion driven, belief driven. Uh, uh, communication, and that's what they're going to organize around. So people will align truly to brands that uh, represent uh, their core values, beliefs on a deep level, um, and anyone who sits in the middle and tries to be all things to all people uh, probably won't be around. So I think you'll see the passion-driven, mission-driven uh, brands really uh, assume a level of preeminent uh, status uh, by then. Thank you very much. Amanda Gutterman, I have 45 seconds for you. We're a literal at the end of the show. Talk fast. Predictions, Amanda. Sure. So I agree with Jeremy that since blockchain is so foundational, that we'll stop talking about it and it'll just be what we do. Um, I think it'll be there'll be more and more onus on brands to create content and to create stories around themselves that audiences and consumers find engaging. I think one aspect of blockchain we haven't talked about is supply chain management. Blockchain will allow consumers to track, uh, to really be good conscientious consumers and to track to make sure that a diamond is really conflict-free, for instance, and that every person along a supply chain verified that according to a third-party blockchain-based tracker. 
So I think conscientious consumerism will just explode and the mechanisms that consumers have to really investigate the behavior of brands and companies are going to increase a lot, which puts a new onus um, for, for businesses to also be triple bottom line oriented and conscientious themselves. Thank you. That's why you are one of Inc. Magazine's 30 under 30 movers and shakers in the content industry, Ms. Gutterman. Thank you very much. Joel Manegro, 30 seconds. Hit it. Go. Well, I think that's something that uh, also hasn't come up, uh, or maybe we touched on it a little bit, is that we can also use these systems to create custom incentives to get people to do things, right? And so it's not only the personal data ownership or the, or the self-sovereign identity angle that blockchain sort of bring to the table and the shared infrastructure and all that, but it's also programmable incentives. I think that's, that, that's a very powerful marketing tool because if you're able to create something of value out of thin air by creating enough demand for it, such as for a cryptocurrency, and you can program how that cryptocurrency behaves, then that means that you can program the, you, you can program the actions of people. And um, that is something that I think is going to kick in fairly quickly once we begin to understand how exactly to use these tools to get people to create content, to get people to verify content or, or, or take different actions. And I, I expect that to hit the real world fairly soon. It already has. With, even Joel, with, thank with you very of- much. We're going to have to go with fairly soon. Jeremy Epstein, Never Stop Marketing. That's a command as well as the name of your company. Amanda Gutterman, Consensus, Joel Monegro, Union Square Ventures. Have a good time in Estonia and come back safe and sound. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out and thanks to Kevin Sussman, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I have a call to action. I'm going to speed talk through it, but you already know it. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Like Jeremy, like Amanda, like Joel. Everybody have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.